The U.S. Department of Justice concludes the ineffective law enforcement response to the Uvalde school shootings was the result of cascading failures. I'm UT Tyler Radio News Director Mike Landis. To go deeper into the DOJ findings, UT Tyler connects with social sciences professor and law enforcement veteran Dr. David Scott. What stood out to you in that report? 619 pages, was it? Yeah, it was 619, 610, I think. So, you know, it wasn't light reading. Um, what stood out to me was the the failure to command. Uh, this was an active shooter. This wasn't a barricaded subject, as the report alludes to several times in the findings. Uh, this was one of those, you have a, an immediate threat, and the, the default training is you go to it, you meet it, and you neutralize the threat. And in this case, there was just uh, a series of catastrophic and tragic uh, decisions that were made at the scene. And one of the things I don't want to do is quarterback because I wasn't there. I I don't want to be one of those people that says, oh, I told you this. But after reading the report and how thorough it was and the number of interviews and, uh, you know, reading the uh, captions from the actual dispatch tapes and just kind of seeing how things played out minute by minute in the report, it just, there was nobody in charge I mean, it was just everyone showed up and they were kind of looking at the other guy to figure out who was going to make the decisions. And uh, I, I termed it as uh, just fatal groupthink, you know, for a better lack of words. It was just everyone arrived, saw the chief there. They assumed the chief knew what he was doing. They assumed he was in control. And as you read this, you find out this guy just kind of ran into a situation, didn't have the proper training or the command experience behind him. He didn't even have his radio with him. Uh, so he was doing everything from a cell phone, and then everyone just kind of filed in behind him. And because he was the chief of that school, which is its own jurisdiction, everyone just kind of assumed he knew what he was doing. And then as you read this report, it just becomes apparently obvious that, you know, there were so many misses in this uh, in this situation that could have, you know, saved lives, in my opinion. So, so the sheriff comes in, and he doesn't really take control either, I mean, in terms of this. No. And, and there was re- a report early on, I don't know whether this was true or not, and maybe the DOJ uh, addressed this. Uh, it seems to me that there was some part of this group that had just done some training, and, and you've got to wonder what happened there. Yeah, there's a, there's been active shooter trainings before, uh, you know, where you learn how to form up and, you know, you search the school, and you, you they typically use Sims rounds, which is just like, you know, rubber bullets, and you practice to kind of do that muscle memory, the training that, you know, we, we all aspire for. Um, I read that too. I, I didn't say specifically what training they got or who they got it from or what the duration of the training was. Um, but again, it was just, you know, you, you had your chief there, you had his department there. Uh, and then the chief declared it a barricaded subject. Well, all the agencies that came in behind him just took their cues from him. So now we went from an active shooter to a possible hostage situation where people were being shot, unfortunately. And it was just like nothing nothing gelled at this whole thing. And that I think that's what the the sticking point for DOJ was, is this was just a series of just epic failures. As someone who spent a great deal of your adult life in law enforcement before joining UT Tyler, you know firsthand the pressures on officers facing an active shooter. But even before the DOJ report, you must have been appalled as someone who was in law enforcement to see yeah. what, what took place and what didn't take place. Absolutely. This this was a bad day in Texas all the way around, uh, You know, not just for the citizens and students at Uvalde and in that community, but for law enforcement in general. I think we all took a pause and a deep breath, like, what happened? Because we've had active shooters. We've had them all over the United States. In fact, you know, arguably Columbine kind of set the 
the standard for how we were going to react to that. And then we've had a couple in Dallas and a couple in Houston, and there's been some around the States. And, you know, we, we train to basically, there's no time to, 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 to discuss things or deliberate. You just go to the shooter. You know, at that point, you're trying to minimize casualties. You're trying to make contact, neutralize. If he want, he or she wants to surrender, fantastic. You give him that option for a second. But if you see a threat, you engage it. And it sounds to me that when they got to that door in front of classroom 111 and 112 at Uvalde, uh, you know, he started shooting through the doors and then everyone backed up. So I think the fear factor kicked in. Uh, and then you had a guy who was not leading the charge. He was more like leading from behind uh, and then decided it was a barricaded subject. And, you know, they said there were doors locked that may or may not have been locked and they were trying to find keys and hooligan tools. And just, it just, it was just like, nobody knew what to do. Like the Keystone cops. I mean, exactly. they just were running. Exactly. No pun intended. <laughs> no, no, none taken. Uh, no, that's exactly what it is. You know, you just, the left hand on the right hand didn't know what was going on. Uh, but the whole time you had this giant train of other agencies coming in. You had Texas Department of Public Safety. You had United States Border Patrol. You had other smaller agencies. I think at the end of it, 380 officers were there. Oh, gosh. You know, and, and ambulances they, couldn't even get through. Yeah. So that was the big, uh, the big takeaway from, you know, when you read all the observations and, you know, if, if you have a chance to read the report thoroughly, it's great, but there are, you know, condensed versions of it. And the, the main miss that they kept talking about, you know, I talk about they, the Department of Justice, was that no one ever set up an instant command system. And that's basically, you have a system in place to deal with an active shooter. You have somebody who's bona fide in charge. They're delegating, you know, roles. They're setting up perimeters. You have one person and one person only giving out information to the media, giving it to the family. You have one person directing triage and medical. You have another one bringing in support systems. And you start building this thing really quickly uh, to get it established as quick as possible. But the first thing they should have done is, you know, gone in and basically, you know, address the threat. And, you know, there was a whole you know list of reasons why they said they didn't do it. They were outgunned. They didn't have the training. They didn't have this and that. But... You know, that's that's the job right there. I mean, you, you see a threat, you, you don't get into this, you know, for the badge and the glory. You do it because you're you're a life saving unit. And in this in this particular situation, uh those those officers needed to go in and deal with that threat. And that's and then that's that's the simple truth of everything. How did it finally end up getting resolved? How did they finally get in there and um, neutralize that shooter? They they had a set of keys and within seventy seven minutes later uh, you know, they, they took them down, uh, they neutralized them, uh, but they had 19, uh, children dead. They had two teachers dead, several wounded, uh, and then, you know, processing a crime scene of that magnitude with parents and media and ambulances and other agencies coming in. Uh, I think it was like within less than a day, the, uh, the district attorney of Uvalde, you know, brought in the Texas, uh, Rangers to basically process the crime scene. Um, so, I mean, it's just, our, our takeaway is that we can never operate like this again uh, in any kind of active school shooting or any kind of mall shooting or anything where there's an active mass shooting. There has to be an incident command system. There has to be, you know, training uh, and not just a one and done training. That was one of the things that we uh, we saw after Uvalde was we had a, a mandate that every two years we have to get active, 16 hours of active shooter training, which I think was a good start. Um, if something, God forbid, like this happens again, I think that training frequency could, could easily, um, you know, be increased to its annual or something like that. If I were a betting man, 
Um, but the training, you know, has to be realistic. We have to understand that, you know, when we go in there, we're going there for one reason, and that is to stop the shooter, period, and then work from there. Well, let me ask you a question now. The, in, in the time since Uvalde, uh, there have been any number of political aspects to this. There have been, uh, we want to get rid of the mayor, we want to get rid of the police chief, we want, I mean, all kinds of things have taken place. Even even the representatives from Uvalde, the state representatives in that area, mm-hmm. have all gone round and round about what should be done. Are there, you, you talked about the 16 hours of, of training every two years. What other things have been done that you're aware of? Um, I think right now, I mean, well, what, the, what, what came out of it was the, uh, the Texas legislature, you know, basically had mandates like every school had to have a security policy immediately or have it revamped or, you know, submitted to the state. Uh, they want security and resource officers on all available campuses. And that was a mandate, but that was a heavy lift because many of these schools that are working in you know, indigent areas or don't have the budget. A rural. Yeah, very rural. Thank you. Um, you know, they're having to hire private security or they're having to have memos of understandings with existing county sheriff's offices or police officers uh, to come in and do like, you know, off-duty work or, you know, share the load. And the reality is, is that many agencies right now across Texas, they're shorthanded. So they can't even manage the calls they have in their own jurisdictions. Plus, you know, take on, you know, working a school Monday through Friday, you know, eight to four or whatever. So we're, we're robbing Peter to pay Paul here, basically, and we're, we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, but I, I think, you know, lightning struck, and we realized that, you know, in one particular area, uh, they weren't prepared. And that, you know, of course, legislatures, you know, they want to know, hey, how bad is the other 250, 254 counties or 53 counties we have? Uh, how prepared are we? So now we, we have the mandated training. We're having those conversations um, you know, people are looking more critically at schools. I know a lot of schools who could afford it have put in more security measures, you know, like locks. Uh, they've got more video cameras. They've got, you know, they've upcre- they, uh, increased the uh, response time for first responders now. They have drills and scenarios. So I think, you know, everything we're doing is a step in the right direction. Uh, what it, the fruit it's going to bear, you know, time will tell. Yeah. Interesting that uh, right after the DOJ's report came out, uh, they have impaneled a grand jury yeah. in Uvalde to start <clears throat> looking that. to see whether any law enforcement officers might have to, uh, you know, face charges. I, I don't know what to say about that because I mean, if I were a parent, I would want answers. I would definitely want, you know, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine that, that degree of loss, uh, you know, being in law enforcement in that area, yeah, there's accountability. There's there's answers that we need to do. We need to find out, you know, exactly what happened and why it happened. Um, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things that's going to probably be, in, you know, in Texas history forever, you know, and, and we're still having to process and deal with it. I mean, it's, it it's, hasn't even been really that much time since it's happened, you know, in the grand scheme of things. No. So we're, we're doing the best we can. Uh, I know, you know, like right now, uh, just in East Texas alone, they are pushing out active shooter trainings, you know, probably like three or four a month now trying to get everyone through it. And then we're looking at, you know, okay, how sound and how impactful is the training? What do we need to do differently? So I know they're critically looking at the evaluations officers are going through. They're matching up the training to the security protocols and to the campuses. And they're just, you know, it's, it's like trying to build something you don't know if and when it's going to happen and what it's going to, when it's going to, what magnitude. So it's just kind of, we're doing the best we can with what we have and we're just hoping for the best. Any final thoughts uh, in terms of this event and any future events in terms of law enforcement and how it responds to to this kind of thing? I mean, I, I there certainly has to be a standard. I don't think there's any question about that. And the the 
call for the additional training is a good thing too. And yet there's a part of, I mean, my wife is a, for instance, says, you know, I, I don't really feel great about being out in crowds anymore no. with uh, people, you know, I just, don't just, I share her opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they, and, and it isn't that anybody's necessarily going to try to shoot me. They may be, may be trying to shoot each other and they right. shoot me. There's crossfire. Um, it's, it's just creating, I mean, there's like, there's, there's two parts to that question for, for the officer part, in my opinion, it's just continuous, realistic training that we need. All right. You can never train enough in this job. You know, you just have to continuously train, train, train. I mean, the military does it. The SEALs do it. Tier one operators just train until, you know, it's muscle memory. Um, We have to be able to get our officers in a space where they can continuously train. Now, schools and churches and malls, those are soft targets. I mean, they are. I mean, the, if you have a motivated offender and they see a soft target and they're going to, you know, take that opportunity to do something, uh, we need to have what we call situational awareness, basically starting from like grades pre-K up to say, look, these are, you know, areas that you need to watch out for. You know, we teach kids to look both ways before crossing the street. We, you know, we teach them not to talk to strangers. Well, now the reality is, is when you're out in public, even if you're in a school, or you're in your church or you're in Walmart or you're in a mall or something like that, you need to basically be paying attention you know, and not, and not just focused on your own agenda because your agenda may not align with a shooter or something like that. Or you may walk into something that you're not even aware of. And I think that's just the sad reality we live in now. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. You just can't go to these places blindly, go about your business and go home. There's always going to be a, a possibility something could happen. Are there resources available, let's say online for parents, uh, for their kids or parents for themselves? I would, I would just do a Google search. Uh, I know the Department of Justice has uh, publications out. I know the National Center for Missing and Endangered Children uh, always has, you know, good publications out. The National uh, National Center for Criminal Justice does. I would just do a broad Google search, uh, but also talk to your local law enforcement. I mean, police, sheriff's departments. There are officers in the community who want to go out and do this training, who are trained to to, to spread the gospel of this. Uh, and they're willing to. You can bring them into a church, bring them into a school. Uh, you can have small focus groups or large groups, but really, it's just starting that message and 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 really, you know, not so much worrying about the shooter, but doing what what can we do to prevent those situations. Thanks for listening to UT Tyler Radio Connects with social sciences professor and law enforcement veteran Dr. David Scott. To share, listen again, or for a transcript of this interview, visit our website, uttyleradio.org. To be notified of future episodes, subscribe to UT Tyler Radio Connects on your favorite podcast platform. For UT Tyler Radio News, I'm Mike Landis.